With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Football Social Daily Premier League Updates. Last night in Sofia, England won 6-0 in their Euro 2020 qualifier against Bulgaria. They played brilliantly. That performance amplified in significance after England's black players, Raheem Sterling, Marcus Rashford, and on his three lines debut, Tyrone Mings, were subjected to monkey chants, Nazi salutes, just abhorrent racist abuse by a section of the Bulgarian supporters. Sadly, vile racism overshadowed the football. The game had to be stopped twice by the referee after England followed a UEFA protocol, a protocol that's been in place 10 years and only last night did we see it put into action. The disgraceful scenes unfortunately set the backdrop to today's episode of Football Social Daily. This is the only daily Premier League podcast, so thanks for joining us today. I'm Niall McCorn, and also in the studio with me we have Marley Anderson. Hello, Marley. Hello. And we have Phil Hudson. Hello, Phil. Back again. Good to see back you. Back again. Yeah, back again. Regular. Absolutely, mate. you got to give people what they want. <laughs> England versus Bulgaria will be our main focus, but also we'll be looking at the goalkeeping situation at Tottenham after Mystic Marley predicted Michelle Vaughan might be back at uh, White Hart Lane. And that's exactly what's happened. Four months after being released in the summer, he's signed back at the club. Slightly off the beaten track also, Championship side Reading have employed their own sporting director as their new manager. Basically, he's employed himself. Love that. Uh, So we'll be discussing what a sporting director is expected to do at a football club these days. But firstly, last night in Sofia, England beat Bulgaria 6-0 in Euro 2020 qualifying. Not quite enough for them to secure qualification to the Euros next year. They played really, really well, but sadly that's not what anyone's talking about, which is a shame. UEFA have a protocol in place for racial abuse on a football field, which England followed. Tyrone Mings was subjected to racial abuse, as was uh, Raheem Sterling and Marcus Rashford. England's black players were targeted by a, a section of Bulgarian supporters. The saddest thing about this, Phil, is we can't say that we didn't see it coming. It was almost prophesied that everyone kind of knew <laughs> that England's players were going to be racially abused. It's shocking. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's weird, though, because there was loads of talk about this last night on Twitter, but one of the things that like was pointed out was because of the sort of pre-match discussion around racism, it almost increased the odds of there being racism. Because the sort of jingoistic, you know, 
bombast of, of the Bulgarians would get the better of them. I mean, it was it was disgusting. The, the, the reality on this for me is that until UEFA actually man up and do something more substantive, 20 grand fine doesn't hurt anyone. Well, this is the point. Tyro Mings was speaking after the game saying... It's up to the powers that be now to make a decision. Just walk off. How can Tyrone Mings be confident in UEFA, who are the powers that be, to make a decision that's going to impact the game in a beneficial way and stamp out this vile racism? I think he was so admirable last night, the way he spoke after the game and the way Tyrone Mings dealt with it. And he didn't let it get to him. He said, listen, this is not going to mar my debut. This is one of the best days of my career. And fair play to him. And he was the one that turned around to the assistant referee and said, can you hear that? And then the protocol was put into place. Then this is a protocol, as I said at the top of the show, it's been in place for 10 years. What's a 20,000 euro fine going to do? As you say, nothing. I mean, how serious should this be taken by UEFA? Because now the spotlight is very, very firmly on them to do something about this. It shouldn't just be taken seriously by UEFA. It should be taken seriously by society. Absolutely. And let's not pretend for one second that Bulgaria are the only country in Europe, Absolutely. With, you know, including this country, where racism is still a problem. Yes. Um, I think England should have walked off the pitch. I think that would have set a message. I mean, the protocol, as you say, has been in place for 10 years. Molly, can you remember a single instance where a match has been abandoned? I, I actually thought it was a new protocol. The way everyone was explaining it, I didn't know that there was a protocol. And that says everything because I can name many games where there's been obvious racist chanting and monkey chants and bananas thrown and, and all sorts. Kevin Prince Bordain walking off. Yeah. You know, there's been, there's been instances yeah. where players have taken that stand. It's happened the, in the Serie A this Montenegro season. The Montenegro game last, been, last year. been racially abused this year. Yeah. It just goes on and on, doesn't it? And then it was like, commentators were explaining, like, right, so step one is the captain talks to the referee and then the referee goes to the manager and then step two is there's a tannoy, like, please, can you not be racist? It's like, no, well, that's, that's not going to work. That's a petrol fire extinguisher, that, isn't it? Yes. Please, please stop being racist. Yeah. It's it is a bit daft, um, but now that I think now that it's sort of a, a high profile team in England, I think maybe that UEFA have sort of got to say right, we actually we actually do have to do something now, and it's not just another case of it happening again, and we can give them another twenty grand, fifty grand, hundred grand, whatever it is. They actually yeah. have to look at banning them from. Uh, the competition or deduct there's no point deducting points because well, this is the point bef- Bulgaria are a dreadful team they're an awful awful international football team kick them out kick them out of what kick them out of what kick them out of UEFA yeah fair enough but it's not going to stop racists turning up to games in Sofia is it so mm. you know that's that's the thing what do you do you, you can kick them out or don't let them qualify well they're not going to qualify anyway they're, they're crap so this is the point I mean the punishment has to hit home just, just sort of don't let them play in Bulgaria. Just make them play all the games away from home. Seems like the the most sensible solution. They can't play in Bulgaria. Yeah, the the team are disadvantaged because they're not playing at home, and then you, you reduce the you, yeah yeah you reduce the problem. So you say for the next two qualifications, you're away from home in every game, and it's you cover the line. policing costs for all the home sides. That's a fair point. Uh, a friend of mine was in Sofia last night. He's actually just texted me. No trouble anywhere, very peaceful before the game. We couldn't actually hear any chanting, but obviously people were getting messages about it and news filtered through. The England fans are very good. One of the photographers was mixed race and he was visibly upset about it, but it was absolutely buzzing with the England fans clapping, everyone going, shaking hands, etc, etc. So that's kind of a, a sort of a mini insight into what it was like in the stadium. I know a couple of lads who were over there. They said, admittedly, they couldn't hear any racist chanting from the England away end. But let's not forget, parts of the stadium were closed off 
because of racist chanting in the past. England last played there in 2011. Black players were abused on that occasion. The coach, the Bulgarian coach, came out and said, I didn't hear anything. Fair enough, if you didn't hear anything. The England fans have said they didn't hear anything. But to deny that it went on, almost blasé, that is not a good look. Bulgaria have a bit of a PR problem there. They, they've got to get out ahead of it and take some ownership of it and say, look, if this happened, I condemn it. I didn't hear it personally, but I absolutely condemn it. Um, the, the, the first step to them solving the problem is admitting that there is a problem or that there might be a problem. Mm. Um, <clears throat> so if they're just going to sort of <laughs> cover it up, um, then they're going to they're going to come unstuck at some point. I mean, as you said before, we went on NL. The, the president's already demanding resignations from the head of the FA. It's not the head, to be fair, the head of the FA. It's not his fault. What, the, yeah. what can he? What can it's he not really his do? fault that fans are racist. It's his, he hasn't handled it great in the media, but it's not his fault. I, I was very critical of Southgate yesterday um, as a manager, which obviously really looks good when England have just helped someone six now. And but, they actually played very well. But I thought he again showed that he does have a sort of statesmanlike quality when he speaks. Um, I thought Sterling came out of it again really, really, really well because the, the England players handled the the whole thing as well as they possibly could be expected to. Um, but the bigger, the bigger issue is, this, as I said, this isn't a football problem. This is a European worldwide problem. Societal problem. Mm. Worldwide societal problem. You know, the rising of ultra-right wing groups it's on the rise and it's being fueled by I'm going a bit sort of hardcore here but it's being fueled by politicians who are talking in very divisive language designed to whip up a partisan vote well we'll have to leave the politics there uh, what I will say is it seems to be that the big split in opinion Marley is whether England should have stayed on the pitch and carried on to the end of the game I saw Chris Kamara tweeting saying stay on there get the job done batter them on the pitch, let your talking be done through the football you're playing mm. and show these racists that they're not going to win. Mm-hmm. And there were other people on Twitter saying, get them off, get them off immediately, walk off, kick it out. The organisation, of course, which aims to tackle racism in football, uh, they were very much going down the standpoint of we want the players to walk off and make a stand here. So that's the real 50-50 split in opinion on this. Yeah, personally, I think they should have just stayed on and just continued to just fucking batter them on the yeah. pitch. Like, yeah. why, like... Also, with protocol as it is, like you, whether you agree with this three-set protocol or not, that's their protocol. So you kind of have to, you're almost forced to trust the organisation and trust that they'll get it right because there's no alternative because we're still in it. Yeah. Um, and if they had walked off, it would have been classed as an, as an abandonment from us and Bulgaria would have got the win and the points. Yeah. And that obviously affects our... Obviously, we're still going to qualify and what have you. That's the thing, isn't it? Yeah. um, It's kind of like... And also as well, like the racist of them won because they've just drove you off the pitch. They don't want you on the pitch. So if they're monkey chanting, it's because they don't want you there. Yeah, yeah. And it's if you then go off, I just think it's a bit... I don't don't think anything you can do solves the fact that people are going to be racist. Like, Mm. it's not a very... um, What's it? Multicultural country? No. So it's inherent racism, and it's the same in in Russia and Ukraine, and like there's a lot of countries over there that um, that have that problem, and we have it in England. Like there are racists in England, there are racist incidents. They see the guy at Chelsea um, yeah. with Sterling just um, last season, and it's like it's a problem that isn't just going to go away because somebody did something once. Like it's we're never going to have like a Rosa Parks moment where. She sits on the back of the bus when everyone's going going mad at her anyway. Yeah, yeah. 
yeah. And it's like it's not going to get fixed by that because it's in, it's a massive inherent problem. And as Phil said before, it's only getting worse with like with politicians being openly right wing, and then the racists going, mm. well, there's that's us. Yeah, they're given like, a, they're given almost an excuse to, to yeah, continue that behaviour. You can't stop. You, can, you there's nothing you can do to stop it, but you have to deal with it um, in the way of, of a good punishment or you know a fitting punishment for the crime. But it's up to you to come up with that. Yeah, as you say, abandonment. If England had walked off of their own accord, they would have forfeited the game three nil. However, following the protocol, if the referee at the third instance of stopping the game decided to take the players off because of the Bulgarian fans being racist, that would have then awarded England the victory. Say England was 6-0 up and, you know, like they were, and when in the last two minutes they thought, you know what, we've had enough, we're not going to finish this game. That would obviously compromise their chances of qualification for the Euros. Do you mm-hmm. think if they had beaten the Czech Republic on Friday night and they had already qualified, that they had take, they would have taken a different approach to it? Uh, no, I think the only the only time would that would that we would have seen... Um, our players walking off by themselves as if it was a friendly and it didn't really count for anything. Yeah. Because um, I'm sure, like, we all said that in the build-up to the game, it was like, is there going to be racism? And everyone knew it. So they, they obviously had a plan to do a certain thing if racism occurred. And they and they did. And then they got to half-time and the um, ITV were saying that the players had a, uh, a discussion at half-time and said, right, we'll carry on. Mm. Because we want to win the game, we want to get the points, and that's because nobody wanted to go to Bulgaria for nothing, and something happens which they knew was going to happen, and then they're, they're having to to cut it short. So it's just one of them where I don't think they ever would have come off because I think it'd be they they were almost, they were almost forced to trust UEFA yeah. for the millionth time, and whether they fuck it up or not, again. Who knows? Um, it probably will be another shitty little fine in a stadium ban, but mm. you know we can only hope that one day they'll say right for the next two Euros, two UEFA competitions like Nations League and the Euros, you're not you're not competing because yeah. hmm. this is wrong. Absolutely. Well, Bulgaria are abysmal, and uh, England actually turned in a very good performance, winning six nil. Lots of people slagging off Ross Barkley. Lots of people slagging off Marcus Rashford in terms of should they be in the team or not. Um, I think they answered a few critics last night, Phil. Um, you were one of Southgate's critics yesterday. How do you think he handled the game situation? How do you think he, he handled it? The selection, there were five changes. He, he clearly wanted to shake things up a bit and get yeah. a reaction. And I mean, the result says he got it right. So difficult to be critical when you win six now. I don't think it overrides any of the points I made yesterday because I still think Bulgaria are very, very, very average. Yes. And, you know, we all sat around yesterday and discussed that we expected England to win by three or four. Because Bulgaria are very poor. Well, Chris Waddle uh, on the radio said that they're as bad as San Marino last Don't night. Go nah, I think I think they <laughs> probably I, I think they probably they probably beat San Marino on uh, penalties, won't they? <laughs> <laughs> penalties, or would they beat Anguilla? That's the question. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I honestly, I spent about an hour yesterday going through San Marino's Wikipedia page because it's just fucking hilarious. <laughs> the last time they scored two goals was like 2003. And they, do they the not two, go, two do they the have games. a day's national holiday when they win a game or something like that, or when they score? Yes, they haven't had one since. <laughs> yeah. Ever. <laughs> yeah, but... my, my favorite San Marino football story was that the qualifier from for the UEFA Cup a few years ago, who won the San Marino Cup, yeah. were called Real Madrid fans from Joe's Calf. That was the name of the team, and UEFA made them change it <laughs> because because they said that Real Madrid fans from Joe's Calf was not acceptable for the, to play in the UEFA Cup. I also found out today, uh, yesterday that um, they attempted, and it was this club was disbanded this year. Um, they tried to get the national team to play as a club, 
So they were just called San, Mar- San Marino Calcio. So just a, a club national team, so they can play in the actual leagues and play with each other. But for some reason, they went bust this year. Or they got, or they got <laughs> for disbanded some, for I some reason. <laughs> maybe, maybe the, maybe the I don't understand. I like, the like where so. they are as well. There must be players who they could be bringing in, in the same way that, like, you know, yeah, that they're doing rugby and stuff it. like that. Filter them off from Italy and stuff. You're thinking you must be able to bring in some players with some San Marino heritage. Just give them a house in San Marino for a few years. more people shopping in Morrison's on a Saturday afternoon than the population of San Marino, to be fair. I've I've said to my girlfriend, if she ever wants to have a kid, we need to go to San Marino when it's born, so then it can just play international football for San Marino, (laughs) even if he's shit and got two left It's one way to see the world and lose 9-0 every three weeks. That's the perfect way to do it. Um, This is Football Social Daily. Do stick with us, because after the break, we'll be talking about... Michelle Vaughan re-signing for Tottenham Hotspur in the goalkeeping situation there. We'll also be talking a little bit off the beaten track about Reading, the championship club, who have employed their own sporting director as manager and it's not gone down too well with fans. Stick around, we'll be back after this. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Football Social Daily. Premier League updates. Welcome back to Football Social Daily. My name's Niall. Alongside me in the studio, we have Phil and we have Marley. We've been talking about England 6, Bulgaria 0 in the Euro 2020 qualifier on Monday evening. Also, what happened in European football last night? Cristiano Ronaldo scored his 700th goal. Mm, Goal machine. Simple as that. Yeah, second best player ever. Peter Beardsley was exceptional, though. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think think Messi's got him covered. I think there's 30 goals I think we should just appreciate... We've both seen them play football. Diplomatic. But Messi does things... Like, Messi's an artist, whereas Ronaldo's a bit of a machine, I think. Machine, I've I've never seen Lionel Messi dribble past Paul Dummett, so he's never really been tested. Just makes you wonder how long he can go on for. He doesn't show any signs of slowing down, and he's getting into his mid-30s now, so... The mad thing is, well, somebody put on Twitter last night that he's only only 581 goals behind uh, the bullshit merchant that is Pele. (laughs) (laughs) I also saw another tweet saying, if Ronaldo scored 20 goals a season... From as soon as he was born, so from the age of zero to now, he scored 20 goals a season every year. He still wouldn't have as many goals as he scored right now. It's a stuff. That's an unbelievable Mental. that. Uh, anyway, let's move on. Let's move on to someone who's supposed to stop the goals going in. Michel Vorm, who used to play for Swansea, most recently played for Tottenham, and now he's back at Tottenham after being released by the club in the summer. He's now back because Hugo Lloris, you know, turned his elbow inside out after dropping a cross against Brighton. And... They need a goalkeeper because it was Gazaniga or someone from the academy. Great faith shown by uh, the Spurs management team to bring in Michel Vorm, not giving the youngster a chance to sit on the bench and get some experience. Vorm or Gazaniga, we had a debate on the podcast a couple of weeks ago saying who was better. You're not convinced that either are any good, Marley, to be honest. No, I think they should just go out and try and play them both because <laughs> <laughs> they're both pretty poor. But I think with Gazaniga sort of, being the number two, I think Vaughan coming in will just be to sit on the bench and watch Gazaniga, to be honest. He's the Andy Lonergan of London. Yeah. Isn't he? Because like, Lonergan's at Liverpool for exactly the same reason. It's like an old head. Because, I mean, I, I get your point. It's not showing a massive amount of faith in the young'uns, but to play an 18-year-old goalie is like really difficult mm. because it's such an isolated position. There's, there's no one to help you out. You either sink or swim. We did it a few years ago. Uh, just, yeah. Jack, Jack Anik. With Jack Anik, yeah. yeah. And, he somehow got through his first game. Is he at yeah. Blackpool now? He's still. He's still. Yeah, he's uh, a first he, team keeper somewhere. Yeah, he's rubbish. He's <laughs> he was rubbish. He got through his first game against Chelsea somehow, and we managed to get a win. Yeah. And uh, and then after that, he must have cost us five points, and we probably only would have picked up nine. 
<laughs> so he, he was absolutely hopeless. It was either that or 45-year-old Stephen Harper, or however old he was. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, out of John Burridge. John Burridge was looking for a club <laughs> apparently at the time, and he was only 64. And I'd have gone with him instead of Jack Annick. Michel Vorm was the number one for Swansea, though, back in the day, Marley. So he's got he was, experience. Yeah. yeah, back in the day when Swansea had Michu and Pablo and Anders. They, <laughs> they were like a proper little uh, hipster Danny, team. Danny Graham. It's like yeah. an alternate universe now. Is that long ago? Wayne it's like Routledge, another time zone. Yeah. Isn't Wayne Rouch still there? Is he? Yeah. I think he's still there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's, he's, he's one of them. He's been around for Very forever, championship Wayne Routledge, isn't he? Yeah. Um, how would it work then, Phil, in terms of... Michel Vorm being contacted again by Spurs. Obviously, agents would have been involved in all the rest of it, but he's been released by the club. No one's taken him he's on. probably still on the team WhatsApp. Yeah, well, probably. Yes. No one's probably still on the club website. It's been, yeah. that, it's been that soon since they released him. Do you think because, you know, Spurs... I think he'll be getting more Spurs than job seekers their, allowance. Well, yeah, exactly. But so Spurs have had their hand He's getting looked forced. after, isn't he? I think, I think they've probably said to him, can you come back in, bit of goodwill, we'll pay you 10 grand a week or whatever it might be, just, just sit on the bench. And he's gone, yeah, okay. I, I think it'll he's be looked, as simple as that. He'll have a relationship schedule. with the yeah. He'll have a relationship with the club already, and they've probably just got in touch with him and said, "Do you fancy doing this? You don't need to be that much. He might even still be training there. You know, we we don't know. Do we? I mean, he could no. still be using. You hear about it all probably. the time, like retired players still using the training ground for keeping themselves the fit. gym and yeah, keeping themselves yeah. fit and whatnot. Yeah, he could still be doing that. We we just don't know. It it just it, it was a very like you I mean Marley predicted it. It was a very obvious thing for everyone to do. He probably still lives in the area. Mm-hmm. Just, just to get go, get it done. All right. Well, we've got a, an experienced head. If Gazaniga goes down, uh, it's his thirty sixth birthday in five days' time. But he's a goalie. Don't really mind. Yeah, it doesn't matter. And he's he, he's not too old to sit on the bench, is he? So <laughs> he, he I think, I think Dave right. Besant. Rheumatism. On, <laughs> I think Dave Besant was on the bench for Wimbledon up until a couple of seasons ago. Uh, you also see strange things happen uh, in the lower leagues, and I don't want to call the championship the lower leagues, but in terms of the Premier League, obviously one step below the second tier of English football, Reading, who are in trouble in the championship. They've employed their own sporting director as manager. Now, the sporting director or director of football, whatever you want to call it, it's his job to look for signings, pick players for a style of play and also recruit backroom staff and managers so actually Mark Bowen at Reading has employed himself which is quite unusual what is nowadays the role of a sporting director we've just seen Ross Wilson yesterday leave Southampton and go to Rangers so they've lost their sporting director at Southampton there's been flops at Saints they've spent 75 million quid's worth on players who are now currently out on loan elsewhere, but they also spent seven, they also got seventy five million for Virgil Van Dijk, which was a success. So they're quite relaxed about losing their sporting director to Rangers. Who are their flops? Like well, so like, Lamina, I, like for, Lamina, for me, I'm twenty not... million of that seventy five million, and he was really good for them. They've just sent him out on loan because he wanted away. So and and Hassan Hutton, I, I know we'll get off the beaten track, but Hassan Hutton came in and has a, a different philosophy. So if you change the manager. Mm. Some of your players who might not necessarily be flops or immediately look to be shipped on because they're on big money and you need to free up your budget. I, I think going from Southampton to Rangers is a very, very odd move, though. In the context of where football is now, Southampton are much more clout, much more exposure than Rangers, even though Rangers are obviously a far bigger football club. Okay, so Southampton on loan. Hoyt, Mohamed Al Yunusi, Mario Lamina, and Guido Carrillo. And I think they spent a fair amount of money on Carrillo. Carrillo was expensive, yeah, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah he was, was yeah, 19 I'd give, million. I'd give, you, I'd give you he didn't do a massive amount, yeah. But uh, Lamina was decent. Yeah, Lamina's a good footballer. Uh, he just didn't, like, like say, didn't proper, fit with... Proper he's, player. At, he's at Galatasaray. So of all the clubs of which Southampton have players on loan, certainly Lamina is at the most high-profile 
club mm. in that situation. So, so sporting directors then, do you need one in the modern game to be a successful football club? Or can you progress and, and be a, a good top-level side without one? I think clubs with bigger infrastructure and better infrastructure are always going to be more successful. But the reality is that the clubs at the top of the table are, generally speaking, the ones with the most money. So let's not. that's a much stronger correlation than... What infra- in terms of league position than what infrastructure is going to provide. Mm. Um, it, it's interesting. I read an article in the Athletic last week about Arsenal and how they're gearing things up with their with with Edu and stuff. And Edu's like really, you know, he's got an office at the training ground. He's he's around. He he is involved in training and stuff like that. Yeah. Whereas other football directors, football sporting directors, are much more standoffish. Um, and it, it's all about getting your football infrastructure right and putting yourselves in a position to succeed. Whether that is as a as a big club or as a small club or as a you know club in League One, the League One clubs are direct as a football who yeah. who oversee things. It, yeah. Ultimately, it's about putting a system in place that works for you. Newcastle don't have one. Benitez, Benitez was the man, or <laughs> that was the plan. Um, so, so they 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 don't have one, and even under Bruce, they still don't have a director of football. Um, whereas you know, I don't think Leicester have one either. Um, but they have a, a sophisticated recruitment team. So it, it's like it's like a business, isn't it? Some businesses have CEOs, some businesses have MD, some businesses have commercial directors, some businesses have head of commercial. It, it's a title, but mm. ultimately, is it the be all and end all? I suppose no. is what I'm getting at. No, is the short answer no, no. And it depends. Like with there's different types as well. Like for example, Edu used to be a player, and then he's learnt the business side of it, and he's put himself in that position at Arsenal where he's uh, he's around on the training pitch, he's seeing what he's talking with the manager, he probably. Knows a shitload of players from South America from his time, um, obviously Brazilian international and what have you. And he's learned that side of it, and now he's in uh, in the boardroom sort of level um, as a sporting director. But then you've got someone like Ed Woodward at Man United, who's a businessman turned the other way. So he's a mm-hmm. businessman who's trying to learn the football side. And that's where sometimes it goes wrong, because you have to be 50-50, you have to know your football and then also know your business to get players and turn them you know into your style and fit them into your club and work with the manager so it's kind of like a as many strings you got to have to your boat to be a successful one mm. but you can turn a profit or you can you can you know hunt out players that are going to help your team and the two of them don't necessarily always go hand in hand <laughs> I like can Ed see Woodward's you... <laughs> a guy with a shitload of spreadsheets and he couldn't probably name you know who's third in the French league one at the minute, but and then there's someone like Eddie who could tell you every single football player, but maybe not the financial side. So it's kind of it's a double double edged sword kind of thing. So, but as long as they're on on trend on trend with their manager, then you've got more of a fighting chance. Uh, just quickly, final thing: you're both Newcastle United fans. Further progress on a potential takeover yesterday. Uh, a, a private bank account's been set up. Oh, called Newcastle Investors Limited. It's been set up out of the United States. Sceptical? I'm not even at yeah. a level of interest that I would describe as scepticism. Perfect. There we go. That'll do. That'll do for today's Premier League <laughs> Daily. Thank you very much, Phil. Thank you very much, Marley. I've been Niall. Thanks for listening to the show. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss another episode. Seven days a week we'll be with you. And also, if you've got an Amazon Alexa smart speaker, just ask Alexa to open Sports Social for daily news updates on your club, as well as Premier League match previews and match reports. We'll speak to you tomorrow. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.